My brothers and sisters here at Wildwood, what a privilege to be with you for the 75th anniversary of this marvelous institution. As we look at the theme, which indicates greater works, looking back, but moving forward, God has unique plans for this institution. And on behalf of the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church, your brothers and sisters of over 19 and a half million, I want to bring you very special greetings to Wildwood. I also want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you have done over these 75 years. I want to thank you also for the kind of close cooperation that Wildwood has had with the Seventh-day Adventist Church and its organized work. Not that Wildwood is not organized, but with the denominational structure. I want to thank you for the strong support. I want to thank you for the beautiful connection that God has entrusted into your hands to work closely with the local conferences, with the union, with the division, and yes, with the world field. You know, as we look back and we think about some of those names that are so well connected with Wildwood, Neil Martin, W.D. Frizee, George McClure, and then as we come down further, we remember many other individuals. And, you know, once you start naming individuals, it gets a little embarrassing because you don't name everybody. So just feel very much affirmed, all of you, even if your names are not mentioned. But, you know, people who have had an impact on my life and my wife's life, Burnell and Marjorie Baldwin, people who loved people so much and were so animated. Well, at least Dr. Burnell was. <laughs> you know, they just captured your attention and they helped you to understand the beauty of 3 John verse 2, where God says he wanted our physical and spiritual health to be very much cherished and understood. You know, other people who have been so closely connected here, um, Dr. Hansen, Dr. Zeno, thank you for contributing Dr. Zeno to the world field. We appreciate his addition to our health ministries team. And what a privilege it is to have Dr. Angie with us here today, the health ministries director of the North American Division. And she will give you a lot of strong support and help you to fit in to the future of the North American Division Health Ministries approach. But you know, I have some good friends who have come through Wildwood and have spent time here. And what a privilege it is to have my good friend Cliff Goldstein uh, with us. Cliff is in charge of our adult Bible study guide for the world field. And he gave you, I think, a very powerful testimony last night as to how God has led in his life. My very close associate, Mark Finley, 
spent time here and learned much and traces much of his evangelistic activity and love for God's work, including medical missionary work, with his stay here at Wildwood. And I want to thank, uh, je voudrais remercier Pasteur Cook <laughs> pour uh, son introduction. Uh, it was a privilege to have you share a welcome, even in French. And uh, Pastor Atwood, thank you so much for your prayer and for the privilege of being here today. About two years ago, I uh, came in contact with Jesse. And where is Jesse? There he is, Jesse Zwicker. And he uh, started talking to me about coming to Wildwood for the 75th anniversary or for some kind of special activity. And through God's blessing, we have planned it. And here we are today. Thank you, Brother Sparrow and, and uh, Michelle and uh, James and so many of you who have been instrumental in helping us to focus on the 75th anniversary of Wildwood. You know, this is an expression, really, of that beautifully read scripture that we had today in John uh, 14, where it says that Jesus is speaking, 14, verse 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, and all of us today, I hope, can say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. The works that I do, he will do also. What a heritage and what a future Wildwood has. Now, you know, healthcare is changing. The delivery systems are changing. You had a hospital here at one time. Now you have a life center, a lifestyle center. You have an educational program. Never give up the ideals and the principles which have made Wildwood what it is. Change with the times. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you conform to what God would have Wildwood be because you will do, what does the Bible say? It says that you will do greater works than these because I go to my Father. What a privilege to know that the Lord is watching carefully over Wildwood. Of course, Jesus, a little bit earlier in John 5, also indicated that uh, the Lord would provide him in doing greater works. It says here, for the Father loves the Son in chapter 5, verse 20, and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. And then in that 14th chapter, the Lord says you can participate in these greater works. Not to the glory of Wildwood, not to the glory of those of you who are involved in the teaching and the healing professions, not to you who are studying is the glory to be brought, but it is to be brought to the one who empowers you, Jesus Christ himself. Amen. If anything, Wildwood stands for. It stands for that beautiful sharing of what God has given in John 10 and verse 10, the last part. 
Jesus himself came to this earth to do one thing, and that was, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. If anything underscores the incredible ministry of Wildwood, it is that verse. You see, Wildwood is part of a wonderful system, a system of self-supporting institutions. At times, self-supporting institutions have been misunderstood, misaligned, questioned. I want to tell you, self-supporting institutions are part of God's plan to help finish the work. And I, on behalf of your world church, wish to thank you enormously for what you have and are doing. For it says, greater works, looking back, but moving forward. We had a wonderful ASI convention in Phoenix just last weekend, from Wednesday evening on through. In fact, I made a special appeal to the division presidents. We have 13 world divisions. We have one attached field or union, and that is the Middle East North Africa Union. If you want to try to wrap your mind around an enormous challenge, think of the Middle East North Africa Union, stretching from Morocco all the way to Iran, from Turkey, to Sudan, 500 million people, most of whom are not Christians and know very little about Christianity. I love that region. I grew up in that region. I grew up in Cairo, Egypt. It's really my home. 500 million people, only about 3,500 Seventh-day Adventists. A real challenge, but the Lord has the key. And perhaps someone from Wildwood will be part of opening that work. But we had every division president except one attend the recent ASI convention. I asked and made a plea for those division presidents to come, to see, to hear, to experience, to understand what it means to be part of a professional, a business, a self-supporting, a supporting ministry organization that can be partners in close proximity with the church. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit blessed us at ASI this last week. It was absolutely a spirit-filled and very mission-oriented session. Our division presidents have gone back, I've heard from several of them, and they have gone back with greater understanding and a greater commitment to work with self-supporting and supporting ministries. And to be honest, that was one of the chief objectives that I had. Brothers and sisters, we are coming to the very end of time. As we look around us every day, as you access your favorite website for news as you listen or watch news you will see that the world around us 
is disintegrating. Even this country is in great disarray. It tells us that Jesus is coming soon. What an opportunity through the power of the Holy Spirit for Wildwood to look to greater works from this very precious location. You see, ASI is very precious to me personally and to the Wilson family. It was already mentioned earlier that uh, my grandfather, N.C. Wilson, who was also president of this conference for a few years, Georgia Cumberland, some years ago, was instrumental in helping to establish the ASI organization. Why was that? Because he was a Bible teacher, the pastor, and was ordained to the gospel ministry at Madison College. In fact, his three brothers were very closely connected with self-supporting work. At least two other brothers, if not the third, was also working at Madison College. In fact, I have a little surprise for you this morning. Uh, seated on the front row is someone who grew up at Madison and went to school at Madison and went back to be principal of a school at Madison and uh, last Wednesday just turned 90 years old and that is a cousin of mine, a first cousin of my father, a wonderful part of our family, Bill Wilson, we call him Billy, and his wife Beverly, they live right here in uh, College Dale area. You know, self-supporting work requires great reliance upon God. It requires an unfathomable faith in what God can do. It helps the organized denominational work in that we work together as partners in reaching out to a broken world, a world that is longing to hear the proclamation of the first, second, and third angel's messages of Revelation 14 and the fourth angel of Revelation 18. Amen. One of these days, very soon, the third angel's message will go like wildfire and people will come out of those churches. Will we be ready? God is calling for each of us to be part of an incredible outreach that will encompass every opportunity that God entrusts into our hands. We must go into this with great reverence, with great humility, with an understanding that revival and reformation is the foundation of our experience to then share with the world. Greater works cannot be accomplished unless we have a close connection with Jesus himself. And so from our private devotions every morning, the Lord is calling each of us to be part of this greater works future. You know, the 
work of Jesus was so impressive. It is the model after which all of us are to base our outreach. In the book of Matthew and chapter 9, we realize how Jesus went about his work. It says in verse 35 of Matthew 9, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. He didn't just go to those in the countryside. He didn't just focus upon the cities. He went everywhere, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, greater works is just ahead. The harvest is going to be plentiful. And God needs Wildwood to be part of it. He needs what you are planning, innovative, creative things, the renovations that are taking place, the new health center that will be located on the corner in a prominent place, is to be a powerful witness for the Lord in touching the lives of people in this region. Now, I have a burden, a huge burden. I want to share it with you. For some reason, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, even though we have made many attempts, and in some cases, including Wildwood and others, have had some success, we have never yet realized the full impact of reaching the cities with the entire in and out concept centers of influence, churches, work taking place in the cities with restaurants, reading rooms, lecture rooms, Bible studies, literature distribution, church members working in the cities, but then also outside the city, where an outpost center will be formed with three elements, a place for people to live or at least visit, a place where a lifestyle health center can be established, and thirdly, a training center. I want to put a challenge to you as we get into God's message today. I want to see, by God's grace, Wildwood lead the way in greater works by creating an in and out combination that will be a model to the world field. You are positioned and have been for 75 years in a beautiful outpost center. Right down the road is Chattanooga. And you have done a lot to try and reach Chattanooga, I'm sure. And yet, how can we put the whole package together? You know, when I get to heaven, I don't want the Lord, after a few hundred years of talking about the magnificent plan of salvation and everything else that will absorb our attention, and then finally get to the point, Lord, 
how come all that good spirit of prophecy counsel never quite fully got implemented? And the Lord will actually tell us, you know, I could have done that, but you weren't listening. You were too busy fighting amongst yourselves, or you were too focused on this or that. I wanted to do it, not just in Chattanooga. I wanted to do it all over the world, New York, London, Jakarta, everywhere. Praise God for what they're doing in Jakarta. Amen. Praise the Lord for, for the positive things that we're seeing come up in medical missionary work, which we're calling, as we have mentioned already, comprehensive health ministry. Let me tell you, we're doing our best. Pray for God's work around the world that they will catch a vision of what truly medical missionary work can be. I want to challenge you in your plans. As you have gone over so many ways in which to reach out in the past, and you've done a marvelous job, let the greater works, by God's grace, be a model as to how the rest of the world can work the big cities. Chattanooga's not a huge city, but it is a relatively big city. I want to ask that the Lord will especially give you wisdom as to how to reach out to that incredible city using Christ's methods, Amen. teaching, preaching, healing. You know, Spirit of Prophecy has a lot of wonderful counsel for us. Medical Ministry, page 304, we referenced that book this morning. There is no change in the messages that God has sent in the past. The work in the cities is the essential work for this time. When the cities are worked as God would have them, the result will be the setting and operation of a mighty movement such as we have not yet witnessed. I regret to say we have not yet witnessed that mighty movement. We've seen beautiful things in different places, but the greater works are yet to come. A mighty movement. Beautiful quotation from a letter that Ellen White wrote. Medical missionary work has been presented as the entering wedge of present truth. It is by this work that hearts are reached and those once prejudiced are softened and subdued. The other day at ASI, I was talking with Blasius Raguri, the president of the East Central Africa Division based in Nairobi. We were talking about what God had done in Rwanda recently. Let me tell you, our experience in Rwanda was phenomenal. We explained to our church members, there are three things, there are many things that we're trying to, to encourage people to participate in. Revival and Reformation, Mission to the Cities, Comprehensive Health Ministry. But there are three things that we are trying to lift up to people to help them to understand that God's great plan is for them and for the world, and that is lift up Jesus and his righteousness. Help people to understand that Seventh-day Adventists are the foremost in pointing people to salvation and grace 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his sanctifying power, through his justifying power, and the two of them together, justification and sanctification, make up God's entire plan of salvation, his righteousness. The second thing is be faithful to God and his word. Be faithful to him in your lifestyle, in all that you're doing. And the third thing is, when you have this understanding of this righteousness of Christ and you are faithful to his word, then we invite everyone to be part of total member involvement. Everybody being involved in what God wishes to see happen throughout the world. James read a beautiful quotation which I am promoting heavily from volume 9 of the Testimonies, page 117. And if you really want to read some interesting material, read before it and around it. But one sentence, the work of God in this earth can never be finished until the men and women comprising our church membership rally to the work and unite their efforts with those of ministers and church officers. This is total member involvement. No longer a time for church members to say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good Adventist. I'm just going to kind of sit down and I'll, 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 give, I'll return my tithe and I'll even give offerings and I'll be supportive, but I pay and you work. Self-supporters know that that's not the case. You know everybody works. Everybody working together, focusing on total member involvement. Everybody understanding that greater works are ahead as we move forward. But we shared this in Rwanda. Unbelievable response from our church members. They became so excited, so happy, so involved literature distribution, Bible studies, health outreach, ADRA and community services, reaching out to the communities, young people involved, choirs involved, everybody involved. And then we held an evangelistic meeting in the month of May. Now you know evangelism, public evangelism, is only the tip of the iceberg. Everything else happens throughout the year and needs to happen in order for evangelism to truly be productive. We give God the glory for what happened. Church members got so excited, they began providing things to the community, helping them out with so many different things, including giving cows and sheep and goats to people in need. One of the most dramatic uh, events I've ever attended was standing there before about 6,000 people on a hillside in the mountainous area of Rwanda with the governor of the province and other dignitaries and church members all over the place and they brought out about 22 cows. Seventh-day Adventist church members had given these cows to be given to people in need. And to watch those people who had been selected, you could tell they were very poor people. They just stood there without too much initiative, and they were then given a hand, two hands, with slips of paper and cardboard in there. They would choose one, they would match with a cow, and they would be taken to their cow. <laughs> it was a precious experience. 
Now, you've got to understand, even in Rwanda, one cow is worth 2,000 US dollars. And these were donated by Seventh-day Adventists. Because you see, if you have a cow, now I know most of us are vegan here, but uh, <laughs> many, do, many people still do drink milk. I, I don't, but anyway. Um, you can receive good nourishment from milk if you don't have soy milk, all right? And you can also then take some of that milk, sell it, and you can help somebody else. What a powerful witness these people in Rwanda grasped as our lay people worked with us in a powerful witness. And the evangelistic meetings that we held, there were 2,227 evangelistic sites in that little country of Rwanda. Did you get that? 2,227 sites? Only about one quarter of those sites were conducted by pastors or lay people from outside of that country. Almost three quarters of them were presented and organized by lay people. My wife Nancy had the opportunity of preaching her first evangelistic meeting. And she told the organizer, now I want you to find a little spot way out in the sticks somewhere. And I, you know, just want a small place. And she expected to have about maybe 100 people there. Uh, the, the, one of the organizers told me ahead of time that uh, don't tell her, but they're planning something much bigger. <laughs> and when she got there, there were 3,000 people. <laughs> but you know, the Lord used her and so many others, and I had my own site. Uh, but we were only two out of 2,227. But the Lord used her and many others in her sight. Over 500 people were baptized. Amen. The total so far is now over 100,000 people who have been baptized. And I just, just had a wonderful meeting at ASI with uh, some of our friends, and they are wanting to help establish 1,000 churches, church buildings in Rwanda. And by God's grace, it looks like the plans are well underway and 1,000 one-day churches are going to be established in Rwanda. But you know, God is doing miraculous things, marvelous things all over the world as we realize that greater works are ahead, that the Lord does not intend for his church enfeebled as it is to simply stand in the corner and wither away because we don't know what to do and we're fighting amongst ourselves about this topic and about that topic. No, that's not God's plan and it's not the way the church will finish. God wants to do greater works through his glory and through his power. Now, what a marvelous thing it is to understand that medical missionary work is part of that great power. Well, I was speaking with Blasius Rigori just a few days ago, and he said, Pastor, I cannot understand, I cannot believe this. One of the biggest keys to reaching the people in Rwanda was the health message. 
So I want to tell you what God is intending for you to do in terms of using medical missionary work as an entering wedge is absolutely one of the most vital things as we move into the future. Medical missionary work, medical ministry, page 188. Medical missionary work is as the right hand and arm to the third angel's message, which must be proclaimed to a fallen world. Councils on Diet and Foods, page 75. The health reform is as closely related to the third angel's message as the arm to the body, but the arm cannot take the place of the body. The proclamation of the third angel's message, the commandments of God, and the testimony of Jesus is the burden of our work. The message is to be proclaimed with a loud cry and is to go to the whole world. And here is one of my favorite quotations from Medical Ministry, page 12. The influence of the Spirit of God is the very best medicine that can be received by a sick man or woman. And that's what Wildwood has always been about and what, by God's grace, you will be about. Bringing the wonderful Spirit of God to sick men and women. And then this last phrase, which to me is so powerful. And may this be the theme of your outreach at Wildwood. She says, heaven is all health. Spiritual, physical, mental, social. Heaven is all health. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he was trying to help us understand our outreach and the powerful opportunity of sharing with someone, recorded in Romans chapter 10 this beautiful sequence. I'd like to focus on this for a few moments. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. It's a familiar passage which I think all of you understand and in the context of the greater works understanding, this takes on new meaning for Wildwood. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you say amen? amen? What a privilege to be able to draw someone to the foot of the cross so that they understand who Jesus is and not only who he is, but what he has done and will do for each of us. He goes on to say, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Paul then says, How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now that's not just talking about people who are clergy, who are professional individuals, who are preachers. It means everyone, total member involvement. God intends for all of us to be speakers of truth. I had a secretary one time and she had on the wall of her office, it said, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. <laughs> you know, our actions speak much louder than our words. So all of us can be preachers. And then Paul says, how shall they preach unless they are 
sent. What a wonderful heritage Wildwood has had of training young people and sending them out to the world. Praise God for the educational aspects of Wildwood that not only were in the past, but continue. You see, when they're sent, then they can preach. When they preach, people can hear. When they hear, people can believe. And then they can call upon the name of the Lord. Now it goes on to say in verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. I don't know about you, I don't consider my feet to normally be beautiful. Maybe some of you have more beautiful feet than I do. Feet are for a purpose, to get you from one place to the next. I want you to imagine now when you're in heaven. You're walking down one of those golden streets to a very important appointment you're going to be sitting with Jesus to listen to the entire plan of salvation and how things developed over time, how Wildwood fit in, how it fit into the entire program. You're headed in that direction and you're really intent on getting there. And all of a sudden you hear somebody speaking out and yelling to you, wait, wait, your feet are beautiful. You turn around, I mean, you're in heaven, so everyone should be kosher in heaven. Everyone's good, I think, but what are you talking about my feet for? Who are you? Your feet are beautiful. Okay, I don't know who you are. Why are you calling my feet beautiful? You don't remember? At Wildwood, when I made a phone call and my daughter was so sick, and you sent a nurse, and you gave me some tips on how to do hydrotherapy, my daughter got well. Your feet are beautiful. You don't remember when we sent our, our son to be educated at Wildwood in beautiful spiritual and health principles? You don't remember when some of those students came from Wildwood and went to our door and they brought us a beautiful piece of literature. Your feet are beautiful. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, as you move into the future with greater works, God is intending the feet of all those who trod this beautiful campus. Your feet are to be beautiful. God is calling for you. to this great task of a greater work, a work that will be profoundly impacting the world. You know, people all over the world are reacting to God's precious message. They are reacting to people who on campuses influence their lives. The month of February, Nancy and I met a very interesting gentleman. His name is Wissam Ali. Wissam is a Palestinian Jew. Well, he's not actually a Jew. He's an Israeli, I should say. He is an Arab. But a Palestinian Arab who is 
an Israeli. He grew up in an Arab family in the city of Nazareth. He was very well placed because his father was head of a tribe that encompassed about 15,000 people. His uncle was the imam or the spiritual leader of that tribe. When these men gave orders, it was law. Somehow, we some was not terribly comfortable with everything he was learning, but he had been entrusted with the future and was to be a leader in this tribe. He was also to be a spiritual leader, and so he was studying more and more the Quran and understanding what his role would be, but something was missing. Something was not quite right. He couldn't put his finger on it. He was a Muslim and an Arab in Israel. Something was missing. Finally, he went to his father and his uncle. He said, I just can't continue with this any longer. I can't plan to be a leader in the tribe, taking the role of a spiritual leader because something isn't quite right. They said, if you leave, you will no longer be part of our group. We will have to let you go. I'm sorry, I just can't continue. And so they banished him or sent him away. He went into some business activities. That didn't go well. He got wounded because of an altercation with some people. And he was getting better and recuperating. But he realized he needed to get out of Israel and go somewhere. He thought of his sister, who had left Israel some time before and had gone to Europe to study. He called her and said, Sister, can you invite me to come to Europe for a while? I must get away from the scene. And she said, please, come. I'll arrange for it. He arrived in Europe and was taken to a school, to a campus. Not unlike this one. In fact, he got to this campus and he didn't quite know what was going on. But he noticed that every morning, students would go to a particular place and they would start singing. Every evening, they would do the same thing, and they would listen to religious activity. He soon realized he was on the campus of a Christian school, and he was angry. He began to pray loudly five times a day and make all kinds of uh, expressions about Islam trying to convert the students. The students soon learned to ignore him and to avoid him. He found out that he was on the campus of the very school where Jesse is attending, Bogenhofen in Austria. This was a few years ago. Wissam became very irate and angry and he tried to convert the students. But God had other plans. Somebody came by to his sister, or to him, and said, we understand your sister is, uh, has a boyfriend and, you know, has become a Christian. And he 
called his sister, who was not there with him. He said, is this true? She said, yes, it is. He was absolutely irate, even more than the fact that his sister had become a Christian. She was now in some way going to marry or had a boyfriend without the approval of the family leaders, and that was absolutely forbidden. He said, I'm going to go back and tell the family. So he went back to Israel. He explained to the family what had happened, that his sister had become a Christian. And then he returned to Europe. And he called his sister and he said, unless you give this up, I am going to kill you. She was a very wise sister and she said, look, why don't you do whatever you need to do, but wait one year and study at Bogenhofen. He said, okay, I'll do that. Well, in order to gain his, his uh, uh, funding for staying at Bogenhofen, he was assigned to work in a detail that would take care of uh, the physical grounds. One day, he received word from the government of Austria saying, if you do not come to such and such an office immediately, you will be expelled from the country. He went to the director of the plant services. He said, I have to go to this particular place in order to take care of very important business. Otherwise, I will be put out of the country. And the director said, no, absolutely not. You are supposed to dig this trench today. Please, sir, let me go. Absolutely not. You must dig this trench. I want to tell you, those of you who are in charge of students, those of you who interact with people, always make sure that you do everything in Christian love. So Wissam didn't know what to do. He said, okay, I don't know how I'm going to get this done because digging this trench, which was about 30 feet long, would have taken all day. He sat down under a tree in complete exasperation and he fell asleep. In his dream, he saw someone in white. Let me tell you something. God is working in a very fascinating and powerful way with Muslims today. Revealing to them in dreams what his greater works will be. And he saw this light figure and it said, you are mine. He woke up and he saw coming towards him one of the theology professors of Bogenhofen. Now this professor was a very kindly individual, a very wonderful person. And he said, where is that fellow from Israel? He says, I'm here, I'm over here. I have brought you an orange from Israel. And we saw him looked at him and he said, uh, who do you believe in? And the theology professor said, I believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we saw him looked up at him and he said, I take the orange, but I reject your God. We saw him went to sleep again. Again, he saw in his dream an angel, not an angel, probably Christ himself, saying, you are mine. 
He woke up again. The professor was there again with another orange. <laughs> I don't believe in what you're doing, but I'll take the orange. <laughs> Happened three times. Finally, we some got the message. He said, God of the man with the orange, <laughs> if you are truly God, help me to dig this trench. He went to work, and he completed it in a fraction of the time, usually taken. He went back to the director and said, Sir, I have completed the trench. Now I need to go into the city to take care of my business. God has helped me to dig the trench. <laughs> Unfortunately, the director of that plant services says, said, God does not help people like you. My brothers and sisters, be careful what you say to others who are different than you are. Give them the love of Jesus. And so this director said, all right, you see this pile of dirt? You must move this over to this side. It would have taken two people four hours to do it. And we saw him knew he would never get to town. And so we some prayed a second time to the God of the man with the orange. I believe in you, God. Now help this poor man who doesn't believe in you. And so he got to work, transferred the dirt in record time. Went to town, took care of his business, came back a new person in Jesus. Amen. He studied the Bible. He studied the Word of God. He studied in Bogenhofen for a year. At the end of the year, of course, he didn't kill his sister. He became a brother of ours in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Amen. Today, we some is the pastor, the Seventh-day Adventist pastor of the Nazareth Seventh-day Adventist Church. And he is reaching out to Muslims. In this past 10 months, he has now, by God's grace, through greater works that God will do through us, has brought at least three former Muslims into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. In fact, just a few weeks ago, Nancy and I witnessed one of those being baptized in the Sea of Galilee along with about 21 other people. It was a great blessing. God will do greater works as we humble ourselves and rely completely upon him. 1 Samuel chapter 17 tells us about that incredible story. A few weeks ago, Nancy and I were up on a high point looking down at the Elah Valley. You could just imagine in your mind's eye the Israelites lined up on one ridge and on the other ridge the Philistines. And down in that valley of Elah, Goliath coming forth with his great mighty power and denigrating the God of heaven. Nobody would take on Goliath except the young fellow a young fellow who couldn't even wear the armor of King Saul 
And let me just tell you, brothers and sisters, especially young people, you don't have to fit into everybody else's picture as to exactly what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. Fall on your knees and ask the Lord, Lord, you put the armor on me that I need and help me to fight in your armor according to your word. And David went down into that valley. You know the story well. First Samuel describes it. We don't have time to look at it now. David went down there and he looked in the little brook for five smooth stones. This stone actually happens to come from that brook. <laughs> Nancy and I harvested a number of them. And at uh, Thanksgiving time, we're going to give one stone to each of our grandchildren as a symbol of what God can do if you are humbling yourself before him. He will make you into someone who will do great works for him. David took those stones. He didn't need five, he only needed one. He put that stone in that sling, and as we sing that little song, you know, the children love that one, and we'll sing it with our grandchildren when we give that stone to them. Each one is going to have a stone in its own box. That stone went up into the air because God had been training David not at Wildwood, although I think he would have learned a lot at Wildwood, but he was training him in the school of practical understanding, and David was a great believer in God's word. And that stone went up into the air. The Spirit of Prophecy tells us that Goliath was so incensed, so angry, that he took his hand and pushed his helmet backward. And when he did, the stone found its mark. I want to challenge you today. You know, it's a little hard sometimes to draw comparisons and allusions. But I want to tell you, in moving forward into greater works, Wildwood is going to face Goliaths. You're going to have great challenges and problems in trying to reach Chattanooga, in trying to reach the immediate community. God wants you to succeed, but it is going to require humble, simple, implicit, complete faith in him. And then he will produce those greater works. You're going to face your Goliaths. I don't want to take this connection too far. But I want to tell you, I believe the stone that will help to slay the Goliaths in the big cities is medical missionary work. But unlike the stone, it will not kill, it will bring abundant life. For Jesus said, I have come to bring them life, abundant life. Today, as you celebrate 75 years of history at Wildwood, I want to challenge each of you. Are you willing, like David, like we some, like so many others, to say, Lord, if you are in control, I give you my entire self. I give you my complete being. 
and I want by your grace to do greater things as we move into the future. Lord, I know you're coming soon. By God's grace at Wildwood, I want to be part of doing something extraordinary, not for Wildwood's glory, but to the glory of God Almighty. If today you'd like to make that statement for one day very soon, we're going to see in the clouds of heaven a small cloud appear. It'll get brighter and brighter. Fill the sky with all of its glory. All of heaven poured out for that climactic event. And we'll look up and we'll say, this is the God we have waited for. And Jesus will look down and say, well done, good and faithful servants at Wildwood. Well done, good and faithful servants in Tennessee, in Georgia, in North Carolina, wherever you happen to live. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Oh, what a day that will be. A day when all the Goliaths will be slain in the brightness of the glory of the Almighty God. Amen. If you want to be part of helping people to be ready for that day and to do greater works than you can ever imagine through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just stand to your feet right now? Amen. I want to have a prayer with you of consecration. I'm actually going to pray at the end. But I want to pray right now and ask the Lord to help you to accomplish this great mission. And then we're going to sing a song. I believe the song is going to be seeking the lost because that truly is the great goal of Wildwood and of all supporting ministries and of all members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let's pray. Loving Father, we come to you quietly in this, your holy room of prayer and worship Lord, Wildwood has had 75 years of marvelous contribution to the Seventh-day Adventist Church mission and its proclamation of the three angels' messages. But we know, Lord, that the greatest works are ahead, not through what we can accomplish, but what you can accomplish through us as we implicitly rely upon you. Now, Lord... Take all of those who have consecrated themselves to you. Give them an unusual vision as to how they can be part of this greater work that you have in store for them. And Lord, I pray especially for the leaders, for the teachers, for the health professionals, for the students here at Wildwood. And may all of this be a great blessing, not only to this region, but as has been the case throughout its history, a blessing to the world church. Thank you for hearing us. And now, Lord, as we consecrate ourselves to you in singing this song, Seeking the Lost, we ask that you will help us to fully understand what it means 
to preach the gospel so that people can understand and believe and ultimately call on the name of the Lord. And Lord, make all of us, wherever we live, make our feet beautiful through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name we ask it. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.